weather girl. Uh-uh. And have we got news for you. You better listen. Get ready for your lonely girl and leave those umbrellas at home. All right. It's raining. Ben. Spinning away with Brian Eno and John Cale. Anyway, I thought we should answer some questions because usually I would be asking questions uh, to someone else. Today I'm not. So instead I've asked you to ask me questions. I don't often get the chance to answer things and frankly that means my job's a lot easier normally. But today I'm going to take on the challenge, providing both the question in the manner of speaking it and the answer again in the manner of speaking it. So uh, this section, I I thought I'd give it a name, because, uh, well, where are we without a name? Uh, So this is called uh, Asking Questions from Listeners Who Wrote In On Facebook. Uh, And it's got a jingle, which goes like this. Answering questions from listeners who wrote in on Facebook. Which may be the best thing about it, we'll find out. Uh, At the very least, it's a good thing. Anyway, this is, uh, well, I've got a series of questions here. Uh, This comes from young Gary Jagger in Totnes. He wrote to us uh, a very lovely illustration on the back. It's worth mentioning. I think your your parents should be very proud. Uh, We put it on the fridge here at SoundArt. You'd be glad to know. Anyway, he asked a series of questions, and I think they're ones we've wanted answering, so I thought I'd give it a go. Uh, Gary says, should I stay or should I go? And it's quite easy. I like you. You should stay. Unless you just need to go somewhere temporarily. Not going to hold you back. If you have somewhere you need to go, as long as you then return, then you're going to best of both worlds in that case. He also asks, uh, where have all the cowboys gone? Uh, Washington. (laughs) No. Uh, The cowboys are largely still working uh, in, well, largely places with agriculture built around uh, cows. So still very much in the south of uh, North America, (laughs) confusingly. And actually rather a large amount, I imagine, in South America, where... Well, particularly places like Argentina, where cows are a large part of the economy. Uh, how much is that doggy in the window? I just bought a dog. Uh, it was about £750, which is quite a lot, but they can cost more. So if they cost much less than that, uh, they're either a mongrel, great, or might be wary. Uh, what's a new pussycat? Too many things to list. Um, for me, a dog. That's new. Um, and, well... I mean, Tom Jones certainly isn't. I mean, it's new. We've got got a new kind of Tom Jones. Just thinking along the same way. When will I, will I be famous? Asked Gary. And I can answer you, Gary, you're already famous. You know, you are. If you search for uh, beer font on on Google, as in the thing that beer comes out of, a picture of Gary comes up. What more do you need? What do you need? Uh, And finally, Gary asks, uh, with so many people going to fancy dress parties as policemen and so many policemen going undercover, how do I know whether or not I am a policeman? This is a slightly more deep question. Um, I suppose, speaking rationally, none of us can be entirely sure. I've seen the film um, Born Supremacy, whichever one it was that came first, and the other Born films too. I've seen uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, I think it was called, the one with... uh, 
with uh, Gina What's-Her-Face, and there's every good chance that any one of us could be someone that we don't know we are. We could have lost a part of our lives, uh, reconstructed that part of our lives through you know, imagination or suggestion, depending on doesn't have to be nefarious, it could be something you do to yourself. Because at the end of the day, memory is a flawed thing. Ideas are, uh, well, they seem real, but they're not. So I was listening to a philosopher talking about this just the other day, saying how uh, there's an idea that Pepsi is a thing, but they're not. It's just an idea. And in the same way, Gary, you are very much an idea. You're a good idea, I'd like to say. You know, yeah, I think I think so. One man's opinion, but what I can safely say is I don't think you're a policeman, just based on your behaviour. Anyway, let's answer just a couple more questions in this section. We'll move on to another song. Um, I'm just going to scroll through and pick some up randomly. Uh, oh, Nicholas Worrell with a uh, a themed question here because it's Easter week. Uh, he says, "They say Jesus died for our sins. What does that actually mean, though? Never been clear." That's Nicholas Worrell from London. Uh, well, J- Nick, I could give you a, an honest answer, um, but then so could Google. So shall I just give you a made-up one? Is, is that better? I mean, the honest answer, I suppose, is that uh, seeing as the original doctrine of uh, early sort of Judeo-Christianity was that uh, you were born with uh, inherent sin, thanks to Eve. Not really f- sure how that works out, but apparently that's the way it works out. And as a result of that, uh, we all are born with sin, but Jesus died to take that away. Some would say it's not a sacrifice when your entire purpose is to do that and then you get to be able to go back to being God afterwards. It's an ambiguous sacrifice. Some would even go as far as to say that it would be a better sacrifice if he wasn't the Son of God. Just throwing that out there. Not saying that he wasn't, just saying if he was just a guy and he died uh, symbolically, then isn't that a bit more meaningful? You know, it's not really, not really much of a sacrifice if you are a deity to have about, you know, admittedly it was quite a bad time, but the passion wasn't that long in the, you know, relatively speaking for a deity. Anyway, this is getting unpleasant. I'm asking a quick silly question here just to uh, just chill things out. Do I know the way to San Jose? Asked Kirsty Berg. And the answer is no. But I could probably find out. Again, Google. This is the age we live in. Let's have a song, shall we? Yeah, let's have a song. This is a song uh, which I'm going to play in relation to an event happening on Sunday. On Sunday we have uh, taken something we normally do here at SoundArt. We've taken it down to the Barrel House. It'll be broadcast on SoundArt. It's a thing called Moon Club. It's a live event. It's also on the radio. Uh, it's a casual cabaret, as we call it. It's kid-friendly. It's on Easter Sunday. Might even be some Easter eggs. Who knows? There'll definitely be flowers. Anyway, what we do is we get people together and we ask them to perform. We recently had uh, Harbottle and Jonas on the show sometime last year, and they're returning for their uh, their second Moon Club appearance. But this is a clip from their first one. It's a song called Northumberland, but then they're going to tell you that. I'll let them tell you that now. That quite clearly wasn't, was it? Should try that again. This is a song called Northumberland. Please welcome our first act of the night, Harbottle and Jonas. Thank you very much. We're, we're Harbottle and Jonas. 
from Totnes. <clears throat> and um, this is one of our songs called Northumberland, which is based on a poem by Wilfred Gibson, who was a local poet in, from Hexham. And I read the poem and thought it was brilliant. So put some music to it. <clears throat> Thank you to you, Harbottle and Jonas. Uh, yeah, you might have heard them before. They're locally based, Totnes based, the locality I'm referring to. Yes, they'll be playing at Moon Club this Sunday. A little thing we do up at the Barrel House, top of the high street. Come along. It's fun. Four o'clock. Sunday. Four o'clock. Come along. It's fun. Come on. Might as well. Why not? What else are you doing? Have your lunch. Come along. Might as well. Moon Club. Four o'clock. Okay. So... Let's return to the main feature of the day, which is a section I like to call asking questions from listeners who wrote in on Facebook. Um, I like to call it that because it abbreviates the very handy uh, acronym uh, um which I think you'll agree is, you know, catchy. So uh, I've got a jingle for that. I'll play that now and then I'll answer some questions. 
answering questions from listeners who wrote in on Facebook. Yes, okay, so we've got another series of questions here. I like to answer series of questions. Uh, this comes in from uh, young Patty. Young Patty Giles in, uh, in Totnes, in fact. Or Gillies. Never thought to ask him. Anyway, Pat likes to say, uh, Why does weak continuity imply existence of self-adjoint position momentum operators in Hilbert space? Uh, it's a good question. I'll, I'm going to answer all these just sort of... I mean, I'll, I'll ask the questions first and then I'll answer them, just because I think they're quite straightforward answers. Uh, what is the evidence of the field particle relation? Uh, good question. Uh, why do most fish move fins orthogonally with their axis of symmetry? Seems pretty obvious to me, but we'll come back to that. Uh, can the calcification response of a marine organism at different pH conditions be assessed by the calcium-magnesium ratio? And, uh, yeah, finally, are protons unstable? Yeah, I mean, all good questions. Let's go through those quite quickly. Um, uh, because uh, we've got, uh, uh, yes, it does, um, so that they can move. Um, yes, it can. And no, they're not. I hope that's helpful, Pat. All right, another question here. Um do you actually need to use my combine harvester? Asks Jared. Um, no. No, I'm going to be honest about that. That was actually just in jest. Um, though I do need your tractor. You can leave the combine harvester off. It's just the tractor I was really after. I was, I just, I was, it's like a throw in the kitchen sink, you know, like, huh, might as well take the combine harvester too. Wasn't, wasn't as sincere as I made out to be. But I know that with the voice like this, there's not many other ways to, I mean, okay, I'll say, I'll say the two things I could, could have said and see if you can get the difference between the sincere one and the humorous one. So, um, I'd like to borrow your tractor, Jared, and I might as well take the combine harvester. Right, so that's one of the versions. You can see what you can try and guess. Second, I'd like to borrow your tractor, Jared, and you might as well throw in the combine harvester. You see, it is subtle, isn't it? I'm not going to actually tell you, just like, retain a little air of mystery. You can see what you think about which of those two versions meets the appropriate category that I previously assigned. Anyway, new question here. Um, oh, one from uh, Sarah Trigg, young Sarah Trigg in Kingsbridge. Uh, she asks, what is the meaning of life? Yes, it's a good one. A good question there, Sarah. Um, I mean, I think the answer really comes back to a question asked just above that by uh, Pat. Young Patty again, Patty Gilly. He asks, how did the universe begin? And you see, those two questions are very intertwined. And it's about time somebody really came out clean about it. So the, the straightforward answer is, how did the universe begin? Uh, because of a lack of alternatives. And uh, what's the meaning of life? Subsequently, nothing, I'm afraid to say. Um, but as a result of being a result of something that had no alternative but to be, it also means everything. See how that makes sense? So it's really up to you. I mean, that, that seems quite individualistic and sort of puts an awful lot of pressure on you to say that, you know, your universe is what you make of it. It's a bit, a bit pat, some would say, but it's not, not you, Pat. It would, the truth of it is that that is, I mean, yeah, what else? What else does it mean? Close your eyes and, and, it, and it means one thing. Open your eyes, it means something else. Uh, put your head under a bucket, it means a different thing than if your head's not under a bucket. If you're uh, lying in a river on a cold day, 
means one thing if you're lying in a river on a warm day. It means something very different again. You see, it's all very relative. It's like Einstein said, I think that's what he was getting at. He said, everything, 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 he used it three times just for emphasis, but in German, obviously, everything is relative, he said. And I don't mean that mathematically, he said. I mean that in every single sense. Just every single sense. So morally, ethically, uh, politically, uh, spatially, tangentially, hypothetically, environmentally, logically, illogically, hyperspatially. It's all relative. That is the complete quote, but you best not looking it up because why waste time we haven't got much time one more question before we go to a song uh john john chambers young john chambers from london says james corden question mark it's a simple question a simple answer no so here's a song here's another song this is a song which i accidentally played before by sporting life it's called aloha and that means hello and goodbye so i'll say it at the beginning and i'll say it at the end this time i'm saying goodbye aloha See you soon. Sporting life. Not supporting life. I'm sure they do. Sporting life. The song called Aloha, and as I promised, I'll say it. I'll say it you now. Aloha. Welcome back. Anyway, I promised that I might, uh, I promised that I might, there's a complicated expression, I promised that I might read a story, uh, and the might turns out to be right, as it so often is, because I am going to read a story. Uh, it's a story I wrote a little while ago, intended as a children's book with illustrations, um, so ideally suited for the radio. Anyway, I've never really told anyone about it, so might as well tell you about it now. I feel I can trust you. Largely because I can't see you. Very useful in trust. You may not even exist, making it even easier to trust you. Anyway, this is a story called John's Island is Full of Birds. And, uh, well, for the sake of support, I'm going to give myself a little bit of music here. A little bit of person I can't pronounce the name of. Neil Fram? Something like that. So, John's island is full of birds. On a faraway island in a faraway sea lives a boy called John, aged three quarters and three. The life he lives is quite absurd because John's island is full of birds. The birds are not tidy, the birds do not share birds fill up the land, sea, and air. Hundreds and hundreds of birds all the same, and not even one of them knows John's name. When John wakes up, there are birds in his bed. When John has toast, the birds have it instead. When John gets dressed, there are birds in his shoes. When John reads a book, the birds read it too. John can't enjoy his lemon curd, because John's island is full of birds. John loves to run and play, but all of the birds always get in the way. John loves to dive and swim, but because of the birds, 
there's no room for him. When John wants to dance, the birds always laugh. When John tries to sing, the birds all join in. And when John decides to go to bed, the birds decide to sit on John's head. It seems that all he's seen for weeks are bird bottoms and bird beaks. The word bird is John's least favourite word, because John's island is full of birds. Do you ever have a really dull day, where it doesn't matter what game you play, when you're so fed up and bored to the bone, because none of the games are fun on your own? The truth of it is that poor little John lives alone in a family of one, and even with all of the birds all about, John feels really most awfully left out. John can never make himself heard because John's island is full of birds. It's early morning and John is in hiding, hoping this time that the birds cannot find him. He's trying his best to enjoy his toast when he sees a bird far thinner than most. John can't pretend he doesn't care, so in spite of himself he decides to share. The bird quickly crunches and munches the morsel, and says thanks for that, I was feeling awful. I didn't know birds could speak, says John. Well that's because you've never spoken to one. The bird bows low, and says my name is Tom. John bows back and says my name is John. Hundreds and hundreds of birds all the same, but now John knows this one bird's name. Just then a bird sits down on his head, John doesn't get sad, but says hi instead. Next thing, a bird sits down on his shoe, John looks at the bird and says how do you do? Then in the space of no more than a morn, he meets Gilbert and Josie and Molly and Sean. He is introduced to Phyllis and Maeve, and makes the acquaintance of Boris and Dave. He toasts more bread for Teddy and Ned, he makes his bed with Jill and Mildred. Gertie, Gerta and Claire help him choose what to wear, he reads a short story for Reggie and Rory. Mindy and Faye come over to play, Jack and Jim join John for a swim. Cuthbert and Lance teach John how to dance, then John sings a song and the birds sing along. The truth of it is that our little John is far from alone in his family of one. With all of the birds with their own funny ways, John feels really most lucky these days. And this is where the story ends, because John's island is full of friends. So nearly hit the mark on that one. Would have been a beautiful fluke, wouldn't it? Promise you it was going to be a fluke if it had happened. Anyway, I'll let the rest of the song play out. It's pretty special. Back within about a few minutes. 
Yeah. So that's the story. But we've got more questions coming in. I think I'll answer a few of those as well. In fact, I'll answer one question. Maybe we'll have some more music. Now I'm, I'm, again, I've, I've, I've eased myself into that idea basically by telling myself a bedtime story. Now I'm feeling quite, uh, you know. But let's answer a question, because, well, we've got a lot. I've been very kindly given a lot of questions to answer. It's a question, again, from, from Jared, young Jared from Totnes. Jared asks, why did the chicken cross the road? Now, it's possible this question was asked in jest. It's possible it's quite sincere. Again, uh, the written word is very much like my voice. Slightly inscrutable when it comes to questions of sincerity. What I can tell you is this. There's nothing really more pertinent to ask in life than why did one thing happen. It's a very specific thing. I grant you a chicken crossing a road. I mean, the chicken probably doesn't have the concept of roads, so the chicken probably wasn't aware that it was crossing a road. It was simply moving from there to there. On those terms, you could say, well, the reason it crossed the road was to get from there to, well, there, wherever those two theirs are in that case. It's not the same there, otherwise it wouldn't need to cross a road. But beyond that, what you can ask is, why did it need to get from there to there? You see, there's another question of why. And if you say, well, because it needed some lunch, it's a good answer could be correct. But why did it need some lunch? You see? Um, again, you might say, well, because it needed some lunch. And I can say to you again, but why did it need some lunch? And you'll say, well, because otherwise it would die. And I'd say, yes, that's correct. Yes, that is correct. But why would it die otherwise? And you say, well, but it's quite fundamental biology. There's not really anything complicated to debate there. It's just the fact that animals that process uh, have probably processes that involve energy, need energy to survive, and need to sustain that themselves through that energy. They get that energy from their food. So in this case, lunch is food. That's just a, a word, but to the, the chicken, it's just an impulse. So it crossed the road looking for food. And I'd say, why do we need energy to survive? And you'd say, I'm not having this conversation anymore. And I'd say, that's because it's a pointless conversation. Because the answer is God. That's the only answer. It's the only answer. That's that's the thing with the reducto ad thingy. Yeah, it's God. Just trying to get things more eastery. Let's listen to a song. This is a very lovely song by a band called Silver Apples from back in the sixties. The sixties for crying out heavens. I mean, that you don't know that that's the thing until I play it to you. But when you when you hear it though, you'll be like. The 60s, what the heavens, that's what you'll say. This is that song. It's called Oscillations. You can probably guess why. That was called. Funny, funny DJ humor there. 
Yeah, it was oscillations by the silver apples, or just silver apples. Always an interesting debate there, isn't it, whether you include the on a band name. When you're coming up with a band name, I mean, if you if you sat down and said, we're going to be called Future Space, are you the Future Space? I mean, I suppose that's quite quite big-headed to assume you're the Future Space. But if you're not, then everyone's going to stick the the on the beginning anyway, isn't it? It's like Future Islands, the Future Islands. Arcade Fire, the Arcade Fire. That's weird to deal with. At least until you get famous enough that your name's just on a massive thing. I guess once it's on a massive thing, people know, oh, there's no the. I can see there's no no the there. No the there. Anyway, other subjects. Yeah, it's a good song, that. just discovered that uh, this morning, as I was saying. Quite new songs for me, and hopefully new songs for you too. If not, then, well, <laughs> congratulations. But yeah, reminded me very much of uh, the uh, song Isolation by the Mighty Boosh. If you know me, you might understand that I generally like to refer all things back to comedy. And that's a good example of that there. It's that bit. <clears throat> Sorry for that. Should we answer a question? Uh, should we listen to the jingle about the questions? This is a section uh, I've been doing, premiering, you could say, on this on this show. It's called uh, Answering Questions from Listeners Who Wrote It on Facebook. And it has a jingle like this. Answering questions from listeners who wrote in on Facebook. Yes. So, Marcus Smith, young Marcus Smith from Ulster, or Nay Ulster, now he's in uh, Warwick, I believe. Um, don't want to imply that I know everyone who's written in. No, these are just just random listeners. I've got a huge fan base. Uh, Marcus asks, why hasn't Michael Bay decided to do a Biker Mice from Mars film yet? Now, that's a very fair question, because at the end of the day, uh, we know... I think we all know now that the only film that is possible to make is a reboot or a sequel. You can make a prequel, but let's be honest, that's just a sequel in in prequel clothing. Um, so, given the hot property that we all think Biker Mice and Mars to be, which I mean all I mean people who are exactly my age and maybe one or two years above and below, why is it not being made? And the answer is the same as the way I said the question, because that is property pretty much exclusively hot to people exactly of our age and of one or two years blah 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 because it's a very very strange idea and the fact that it ever happened I think people are, I think there are I mean look I great all good take some mice put them on bikes say they come from Mars that's why they're human shaped and sized make them kind of like surfers more than actually like bikers get them to fight evil sure I mean, why not? There's, I mean, there is no reason why not. As we just said, as we said before, to Sarah, there is no meaning except what you make of it. So that's that's as valid as anything. But if you break it down like that, I think there's an executive somewhere who's kind of tried to make sure everyone doesn't know that that happened. That he said, "Yes, yes, that's the property I'm going to invest in this season." I don't think it paid off quite as well as he'd hoped. I think they were looking to the toy market. Let's just be honest here. Let's be. Let's break it down for a second, and let's just be honest. I think they were looking at the toy market in the same manner as, and I hate to say this, and I know that some people might be hurt by this, but in the same way that, you know, things like Titanic were, uh, and The Notebook, famously, the Ryan Gosling models that came out of that, big thing. I mean, Atonement, another one. Really uh, merchandising, very much, as you might remember from Keira Knightley, uh, taking, she refused any payment for the film in lieu of 
merchandising revenue. Little known fact, I mean, a lot of people say that uh, things like He-Man very much driven to and Power Rangers very much driven towards merchandising. Not true, not true. Both based on very ancient uh, Israeli myths. Of I mean, they weren't technologically the same. They weren't quite the same kind of like it was. It was more the, the ethos of the shows came from there. But that's really the origins they had. Uh, whereas yes, if you look at the works of say uh, Almodova, it's really just cash and stuff. Anyway, another question. Uh, oh, uh, Kirsty, uh, backed up by Ella, young Ella, has asked, what colour does a Smurf go when it suffocates? And the answer there is quite obvious, I'm just going to skip over this one first. The answer is Smurf. That's the name of the, obviously. Uh, oh, John Chambers. John again. John asks, are we living in the Matrix 2? Uh, that's the number 2. He's not saying, are we living in the Matrix 2? As well as those people? No. The Matrix 2, which obviously means uh, Matrix, I believe that was Reloaded? I think that's correct, yes. Um, I'm going to say hopefully not. Hopefully not, because that was a really terrible film. Um, I mean, it, it seemed like a perfectly nice place to live as long as you weren't working for some ambiguous skyscraper thing. Never clear why they needed an entire skyscraper in the first place, just for the like, two people. They'd go anywhere. Frankly, they'd go somewhere that isn't in a city, and probably harder to find. Anyway... Um, no, I mean, it, we, we've talked about this on the show before, the idea that reality might be, um, you know, a simulation. It might be, but it's not going to be like that. Because I think even even the fluke encounters of life have a stronger narrative arc. Anyway, it's enough for me. Let's have some more music. This uh, is another another piece playing. No, another piece I'm going to play because of Moon Club. Moon Club's happening this Sunday. Sunday at the Barrel House, 4 p.m. 4pm, Sunday at the Barrel House, Easter Sunday, from 4pm, Moon Club. We're going to have quite a few acts on. It's a casual cabaret, casual cabaret broadcast on this very radio station. And of course you can come and see it in person, because, you know, it's happening. So yeah, it's this is uh, an act we've had on previously, they're going to play for us again. And this is what they sounded like last time they played. This is the Mossy Eyebrows, good friends of the show, with a song called Jolene. And it is that one, yes. So here we go. We're going to do um, a song here made famous by um, Pat Butcher from EastEnders, Jolene. No, it's not. Who is it? Who did the song originally? Who was it? Peggy Mitchell. Peggy Mitchell. Um, she did the song originally. And we're, she's here in the audience tonight, which is great. Let's have a cheer from her. Thank you. Um, so um, we may freestyle lyrics, um, and I'm sorry if anyone's listening who's a purist, uh, but um, uh, we'll see how it goes. The Motti eyebrow is so organic, um, we can't stop on any one timber or any one material. Jolene, 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 I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. Jolene, Jolene, Jolene Oh, please don't take him just because you can Your beauty is beyond compare With flaming locks of auburn hair And ivory skin and eyes of emerald green Your 
smile is like a breath of spring Your voice is soft like summer rain And I cannot compete with you, Jolene Oh, Jolene, I can't Jolene, compete with you Jolene, Jolene, Jolene I'm begging of you, please, please don't, don't take my breath Jolene, 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 Jolene Oh, please don't take them Just because you can don't you do it? Hey, don't tell my man. Don't you take him just because you can. He talks about you in his sleep. There's nothing I can do to keep from crying when he calls your name, Jolene. Take him just because you Don't you can. take him just because you can <laughs> Thank you. Um, and we didn't give you any uh, any time for that, but in uh, backing was the famous uh, blues singer who's here tonight, um, Woody Guthrie Guthrie, who's here tonight and is a blues saxophone orchestra. But they haven't played, and uh, he's just singing. But thank you very much, Woody. It's very kind of you. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, Woo! it's okay. Yeah. Cheers, and we'll see you another time. Bye. So thank you very much. We were the Mossy <laughs> Eyebrows with Supporting Acts. We'll see you another time. <laughs> the one and only Mossy Eyebrows. Assuming they're the one and only Wasi Eyebrows, I'm, I'm pretty sure they are. If not, they deserve the title. Because, by gosh, they're Eyebrows Mossy. So yeah, they'll be playing at Moon Club. Moon Club this Sunday. This Sunday, 4pm, Moon Club, Moon Club, Moon Club. But today you're listening to It's Raining Ben, or at least you're listening to the last, let's say, 10 minutes of It's Raining Ben. It's been a solo show today. Normally I'd be accompanied, normally I'd be, well, really relying very heavily on the other person to provide a launching point for conversation. But today, in lieu of that, I've been relying on the kindness of other people. Other people apart from guests. I'm, I'm confusing the statement, really. I asked people to put things on Facebook, and they did. And they've been very kindly done some very good job for me. I got some ones in I just wanted to read out because, frankly, they're just good. I haven't really got any answers for them, but I wanted to, wanted to give them an airing. This comes from uh, Sarah. Young Sarah in Kingsbridge. Sarah asks, Can you give yourself jet lag by sleeping all day? And, if this is the case, will a teenager magically have energy if you fly them to Australia? I mean, I, I'm not qualified to answer, so I would like to see the experiment done. I'm sure a teenager would too. Wouldn't want to go to Australia, you know, for the sake of science. You'd probably get paid to do it at the same time. Granted, I'm not sure if the study would be a proper study, it would probably be quite a silly study because, well, you could probably find out other ways, but all I'm saying is I'm behind you, Sarah. I just wanted to read that out. Another one from you as well, Sarah there, in Young Sarah in Kingsbridge, asking, are people who hoard just trying to do their best for the environment by not contributing to landfills? Again, nothing to say really, but that's just that's just solid. And one final one from Sarah. This is one I can answer, I think. Uh, alternative, less commercial, less sugary gifts 
for Easter? That's what she's asked. Now, I don't feel quite qualified to answer this in either, but... No, you think I'm copying out. No, no, no. I do have someone here who is. Now, he's an old friend of the show. Old in both senses. In the sense that he's been on the show, and he's old. Didn't leave that one too subtle there. I want to make that very clear. His name's Montgomery. He's my great-grandfather. It's definitely true. Uh, he covered for me once, uh, back in the early days of It's Raining Ben, so you might recognise his voice. Anyway, uh, I've got him in to, to give an answer to that question. But right now he is making tea, so I'm going to come back after the break. This is very much a teaser section here. I'm going to come back after the break and answer that question for you. Are there any alternative, less commercial, less sugary gifts for Easter? And in the meantime, let's listen to a song. A song by Clinic called Internal Wrangler. Into the, into the, oh, oh, hello, um, yeah, ah, uh, like, okay, um, so, ah, uh, you'd be surprised here, I didn't know what this was going to happen, and uh, some would say, snuck me on the mic, some would say that, uh, I came in simply to make my great-grandson some tea, and he's popped me on here to answer a question. I suppose he felt that, uh, well, being quite a young lad, he didn't really have the, the gumption to answer a serious question. <laughs> I think you'll have found that about him in the last hour. So, um, really, yes, okay, so I'm being asked to provide some alternative, less commercial, less sugary gifts for Easter. Uh, I'm being asked to do this uh, for a young lady called Sarah, Sarah Trigg. Shared Trig in Kingsbridge. Okay. So, well, I guess I'm being, I'm being asked to answer this because I'm from a different generation. A different generation before we had Easter eggs. Because as some of you might know, I don't know how many of you are uh, correctly, uh, let's say, correctly religious. Uh, but I don't know if all of you know that the young, the young baby Jesus uh, was born in an egg. Hypothetically, he was born in an egg. Metaphorically, figuratively, and literally, he was born in an egg. Uh, as we all are, as we all are. But the difference with his egg is that it was delicious. And I'm not saying this to try and gross you out. I'm trying to say this simply to suggest that uh, by being the Messiah, by being very much uh, not a naughty boy, being very much the Messiah, he was in every way, sublime. And one of those ways is that every aspect of him would taste superb. I don't think that's uh, an unreasonable uh, assumption to make. I have not tasted him, nor have I tasted the egg that he came in, but I think it's a safe assumption that by being, well, perfect, he would be delicious. Anyway, I mean to say that we didn't as a result of, well, simpler times, some would say, 
uh, lack of access to cocoa. Some other people would say uh, it could be simply a commercial thing. I like to think of it more as a, an ethical thing. But anyway, uh, we didn't have access to chocolate. So the eggs we had to celebrate uh, the birth out of an egg of the baby Jesus were not chocolate eggs. No, you see, they were ceramic. And this is because we were Protestant. Uh, and by being Protestant, we do not believe that you need such a thing as, say, like transubstantiation. We do not believe that you need to have a, a thing actually become the bod, body and blood of Christ. I mean, really, is that necessary? I'd say no. It's up to you what you say, but, you know, think about it. So, in that situation, we were happy to have a representation of a perfect egg rather than an inferior actual egg. Do you see what I mean? So, if you're looking for an, a more appropriate, less less commercial, more traditional, and substantially less sugary, by virtue of having no sugar in it, you could look, well, look no further and do no better than a authentic non-egg, a ceramic egg. Perfect by not trying to be anything else. Okay, I think that's good enough. Is it good enough? Good enough? Okay, well, I'll finish up with the song then. Um, well, this is a song by a man called Prince. Uh, probably not a prince. Well, I don't know. I, I've, I'll play the song. I'll play, I'll play the song. Oh, I'll play the song. Uh, well, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, this is a, a young man named Prince with a song called Endorphin Machine. Uh, one word spelled quite wrong. But, you know, that's, it's music. <laughs> Who am I to point fingers? Uh, yes, thank you for listening to the show. We'll, we'll see you next week. And, uh, yes, well, thank you from Ben as well. <laughs>